We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on the show tonight. Going to have a little bit of an abbreviated show coming off of uh, watching the national championship in college basketball tonight. But first, want to hit on that for a second. Um, we just saw the biggest comeback in the history of NCAA national championships. Uh, Kansas coming back from a 16-point deficit. In, in my opinion, I'm, of course, when I'm going to preface this by saying props to Kansas for coming back and playing the way they need to play to win the game. But North Carolina played not to lose in the second half, and it showed. When you play not to lose and you take your foot off the gas, bad things can happen, and that's what happened in this game. When you play not to lose, you're playing not to win. Um, and I can say that as a former basketball coach. Um you have to just play through and continue continue to uh, suffocate the team that you're playing and finish the job. And North Carolina didn't do that. And, and, and you see that so many times in sports in general, um, college football with prevent defenses, football in general with prevent defenses where teams allow teams to get into a scoring range. And then the game goes to overtime or you end up losing the game because you're too worried about making a mistake. You got to play through it and play to win. Um, and we saw that tonight. But a couple things I'm going to hit on today. Going to do my weekly coaches, coaches corner segment. This uh, this week is going to be on Louisiana Raisin Cajuns new head coach Michael Desamoir, and then I want to talk about a G5 division that doesn't get as much love nationally as some of the others um and and it might it might be one that not a lot of people are thinking of um and then i want to talk about i'm going to lead off with uh kind of a bigger uh, an under the radar hire just made by the university of kentucky and mark stoops um just hired texas a&m recruiting staffer danielle braswell now this this is this is going to go under the radar just because it's a it's a position as an executive director of recruiting so it's not like a quote unquote it's not a coaching position but the, 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 these positions are becoming bigger and bigger in the world of college football um, because of uh, just all the things that take place in the recruitment of college football so Braswell has had a pretty amazing rise in uh through the sec um stops at arkansas and then most recently at texas a&m under jimbo fisher and the reason the reason i'm bringing this up and she's an auburn grad as well so 
working at uh, working at Auburn, then Arkansas and Texas A and M. Um, but the reason I'm bringing it up is obviously Texas A and M just had the number one recruiting class in the country, and then the past the year before that, she was there as well. They had a top five recruiting class as well. Um, this is this is kind of a big deal, especially at a place like Kentucky, um, where that program is really having some unprecedented success right now. Last year they had that 10-3 and three season, um, culminated with a big, big Citrus Bowl win against Iowa. So just, just in my opinion, really, this is a – this is a big time hire, in my opinion. I I, I really believe that uh, what Mark Stoops is doing at Kentucky. I'm a I'm a firm believer in what he's doing there, and uh, just I, I I'm really really intrigued to see where where this goes and what it could lead to for the University of Kentucky and the football program. But uh. Again, I just kind of wanted to lead with that, something that happened very recently um, and kind of something, like I said, a little under the radar that a lot of people aren't going to notice, but something that could be really, really big in the future of not only the SEC and the SEC East and the whole Kentucky football program, but this could it shift the landscape a little bit in college football? Just because th- this young woman has been on some fantastic staffs and done a fantastic job and Kentucky is on the rise in football. They Mark Stoops is a very very good coach and I think people are starting to realize that. And people are starting to take note of that in the SEC and I, and and I've said already that Kentucky is kind of a dark horse candidate out of the SEC East this year. Um, of course, of course, of course, you're going to continue to say Georgia. And I know Tennessee is a trendy pick and South Carolina is a trendy pick. But those Kentucky Wildcats are going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to remember this hire. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kentucky recruiting looks like next year and the year after. And as long as this young woman is on staff just to kind of see what it means for that program. Um, now I want to look into the weekly talks I have about the Yukon Huskies with my partnership with Sidelines Yukon. Uh, I always take a little time to talk about the Huskies. Um, first off, Husky football fans, every week the Yukon Huskies football Twitter account puts out like a little 10-minute video episode of uh, the Husky Revolution, as it's being called. Um, please go check those out. The, the Jim Moore and the staff and the media team there are doing a tremendous job with this, and it's great insight into the program. Um, please, please take a look at that. Um, the Husky Revolution is for real. But but one thing I want to look into, um, it kind of a kind of a move that the Huskies made this off season that kind of went a little bit under the radar uh, and somebody who's been playing really, really well um, in spring spring camp this year is uh, wide, re- wide receiver Nigel Fitzgerald. Now, Nigel Fitzgerald is coming off uh, a transfer from Old Dominion where he saw kind of limited action 
So he was kind of a little bit under the radar uh, in the transfer portal uh, just because he didn't play much at Old Dominion. But this is a 6'3", near, nearly 220-pound wide receiver, and I think everybody would agree that UConn um, struggled with playmakers last season. And, and it, it, there's a plethora of reasons why um, quarterback play, offensive line play, um, injuries, just lack of depth. There's so many things. You can go down the line. But this young man, Fitzgerald, has had a really, really good camp. Um, and he's and he's having the opportunity to shine and make some pretty uh, – Pretty good plays catching the football. He's a long, agile, athletic uh, playmaker who makes some acrobatic catches, and um, he's made a handful of really, really nice plays throughout spring camp. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing his progress um, throughout the season or throughout camp, even into what it could lead to down the road for this Husky team. Um, as I've said, and I, I will continue to say it, I'll say it again right now, I firmly believe that this UConn wide receiver room with the guys that they have returning and the new guys they have coming in through the transfer portal and from recruiting, I am a firm believer that this Husky wide receiver room, this group of guys, is going to be a top 10 wide receiver room and core in the country and and i know that a lot of people are going to think that's crazy talk but like i said i am a firm believer in this group of wide receivers that the yukon huskies have and i i think it's going to be i think i think that there could be some special things coming um out of yukon with these guys that they've that they've got going on like i like i said this is a really really good group of of uh of football players and, and and i'm excited to see what this could turn into uh for the huskies and husky nation when it comes to that it comes to that and they got some really talented quarterbacks give them the ball now and some talented running backs in there too a much improved offensive line so i'm going to continue to say it jump on the husky revolution as quickly as you can folks because it's coming these these guys are ready to play and they're gonna they're gonna do some really good things this year um now, now i want to shift to that g5 division that i'm that i was talking about and, I, and i've had this conversation with a couple people um especially this past year this division was unbelievable and uh I'm talking about the Mac West. Now, as we know from division standpoint, the SEC West is as good as it gets and it it and it just will continue to be that. Top to bottom the SEC West, there's you just can't compete with it. But there was every team in the SEC West made a bowl game this year, but there was another division in college football that did the same thing this year and it was the Mac the Mac West. Um now from a G5 standpoint, I know when you think of G5 divisions, now it's the Sun Belt East, just top to bottom is unbelievable. Um, the Mountain West, uh, Mountain or the Mountain West West is un, is very very good too. Um, there, you can go down the line. There's good divisions um, th throughout the college football landscape, but 
I think one that doesn't get the credit it deserves nationally is the Mac West because you looked you look at the Mac West this past year, and I've already said all all these teams made a bowl game. All six teams. You had NIU who won the Mac and won a game at Georgia Tech, and then gave Coastal Carolina everything they could handle in uh, in the in the uh, bowl game. And then, like Central Michigan um, beats Washington State. You got Toledo had another good year. Ball State uh, getting to bowl eligibility. Eastern Michigan gets to bowl eligibility. Western Michigan went into Pitt and beat Pitt, and we saw how great Pitt was last year. And Western Michigan only went four and four in the MAC with probably the most talented roster um, in the conference because of. There's going to be possibly four or five guys from Western Michigan that get drafted this year. So, I mean, I, I really think that this division, as you look at this division, too, heading forward, I mean, NIU had 70-some-odd freshmen and sophomores play this year. So they're going to be fantastic in. Central Michigan returns a lot. Toledo returns a lot. Um Western Michigan is going to be very, very talented. They bring they bring some some talented guys back, and they have some really good transfers coming in. Um, Eastern Michigan might take a little step back after losing uh, Bryant at quarterback, but nonetheless, I mean, you just look at it in this this division will continue to have success. And like I said, I think it's a I think it's a division that's not looked upon um, nationally as uh as what it as it what it really is and and i think the mac east hurts from the standpoint of only two teams were bowl eligible this year and the bottom of the east was very it was was very rough this past year i mean akron two and ten ohio three and nine bowling green and buffalo are both four and eight so, I mean, you, you had some rough play in the MAC East, so it kind of takes away from the conference as a whole. But I just I just wanted to make a point a little bit there to talk about the MAC West and just what that division was able to do this past year. And I think, it, it like I said, I think it just needs to be recognized a little more uh, nationally just for uh, – the brand of football that they were able to play out of the division last year. Um, you just you need to give credit where credit's due, and credit is due there. All right, so like I said, now for the remainder of the show here, I'm going to focus on our, my Coach's Corner segment. Um, this week it's on the Louisiana Raising Cajuns and their new head coach, Michael Desamois. And first off, the perfect coach, coaching name, for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, this 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 gentleman is Louisiana through and through. Obviously, he played there. Um, his he played quarterback there. Then he had a shot with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Went to the CFL. Then he went right into coaching after that. Um, but his rise has been quick. I mean, he was a high school football head football coach at the high school level in 2015. And then he became the running back coach at his alma mater, Louisiana, in 2016. Has just risen quickly. 2017 to 2020, he was the tight end coach, and then last year he was the co-OC and the tight end coach. 
and now he is the head coach. So uh, he's just a few couple years older than me and now has the opportunity to take charge of a program who's on the who had, currently has the longest winning streak in college football, 13 games. Um, they went 13-1 last year. They've won 13 in a row. Um, really, really good football team the last season. The only loss at Texas. Um, so, again, I, I'm really, really intrigued by this just because for a couple reasons. He's only 36 years old, but he's also an alum and a good offensive mind. Um, played quarterback there. So he played quarterback and DB there. So it's just uh, just really, really intrigued to see how that goes. Um Obviously, he was the head coach in the bowl game. They got that win. Um, like I said, they went 13-1. and So they lost at Texas by 20. Turn around the next week, they beat Nichols only by three. Then they beat Ohio by 35. One at Georgia Southern by eight. One at South Alabama by two. They turned around and crushed App State by 28. Then they won at Arkansas State by one. Blanked Texas State by 45, uh, beat Georgia State by four, one at Troy by 14, one at Liberty by 28, beat ULM by five, beat App in the conference championship game by eight, and then turned around in the New Orleans Bowl and beat Marshall by 15. So, again, like I said, this is a team coming off, coming into the season on a 13 game winning streak. Um, so big, big things happened last year and, and they have to replace all, all everything quarterback Levi Lewis so that, that it'll be really interesting to see what happens there, but they start the season this year. They open against Southeast Louisiana, then they got Eastern Michigan and then at Rice at ULM, they host South Alabama. Then they go to Marshall. Arkansas State at Southern Miss, Troy, Georgia Southern. They go to Florida State and to Texas State. So the way that I look at it, they're already on a 13-game winning streak. The way that I see it, there's a very legit chance that they could start the year 5-0 and and they could be on an 18-game winning streak going to Huntington, West Virginia on a Wednesday night in the middle of October. So that there's a very legit chance that I could see that happening. And if they if they go to Huntington and win at Marshall, who's to say they can't run the table at that point? I mean, yes, they still got to go to Hattiesburg on a Thursday night. Um, they'll have to go to Florida State. But, I mean, it, it their schedule sets up in a way where this Louisiana team could really, really do some things. Now, this Louisiana team has a lot of shoes to fill. They do. They, Like I said, they have to replace Levi Lewis, and they have to replace a ton of guys who transferred out. But they have recruited well recently, and they have done a lot of really good things to up the level in Lafayette there. Um, but you kind of look at you kind of look at their recruiting this year um, and how Desmois gets hired um, and they have they only have a handful of guys coming in 
and only adding like one real impact transfer in the interior offensive line, offensive lineman from Michigan State. But but where they're going to take the biggest hit is the guys that they've lost to the portal. They lost a ton of guys in the portal to uh, – they followed Billy Napier to Florida or they've gone elsewhere. Um, Louisiana the previous year was number one in the Sun Belt. This year, uh, this past year, they were seventh. So, I mean, they were in the middle of the pack, which when you have the type of season that they had – uh, you kind of expect um, some different things. Now, obviously, when you lose when you lose a coach like Billy Napier, um, things are going to happen. But I, I, I was a little I was a little surprised to see so many guys transfer because one thing you always heard coming out of Lafayette, Louisiana, was uh, the culture that had been formed and created. And, I mean, I know that has a lot, obviously, to do with Billy Napier. Um, but the, you knew that they were keeping Desimois the new head coach because they wanted to keep that continuity and keep that culture going. But then to see a kind of, I don't want to say mass exodus, but an exodus of players and very talented players leaving um, speaks volumes to me on uh on what what you can expect coming in uh this coming year now i i still firmly believe louisiana is uh the cream of the crop of the sunbelt west but there there's an opening now for some of these teams like arkansas state has the number one recruiting class in the sunbelt um southern miss is coming in with a tremendous uh recruiting class themselves um texas state got better uh by adding some uh some big time transfers uh just you just go down the line troy has a new coaching staff south alabama had a good year last year so i mean ulm is on the rise so i mean it's just not going to be and you already saw last year how they struggled against a couple of the teams in the in from the west the ulm they struggled south alabama they they probably should have lost that game. Um, so, I mean, there's a handful. And then they only beat Arkansas State by a point last year. So, I mean, there it's going to be it's going to be a battle in the West um, and, and, until proven otherwise. You're going to continue to say Louisiana is the top team in the West, um, but it, it it wouldn't surprise me if somebody did dethrone them this year it really wouldn't surprise me but like i said that they have a very distinct possibility and a very good opportunity to start the season five and oh and then they would be going to marshall on an 18 game winning streak obviously time will tell and we'll see what happens there but uh i, I again i i, I I'm going to continue to say Louisiana is the, the cream of the crop in the West, and their fans are amazing people. I've had great interactions with the fans of the Raging Cajuns and a um, great group of fans. But I, 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 think that, I think there's an opportunity now for some of these other teams in the West to really make something, make some noise and make something happen. Um, and, and this could be the year. It, it could be year one where things change because Louisiana loses a lot. So, again, time will tell, but we'll see. 
All right, that's all the time I'm going to take for today. Um, I'm going to be going on a little vacation with my wife this week. So I might not be as active on Twitter uh, this week. But nonetheless, uh, looking forward to jumping back into things next week. Um, and uh, hope everybody, again, thank you so much. Hope everybody's doing well. And thank you so much for uh, tuning in weekly. Please, please, please give me a follow personally at Coach underscore B Will on Twitter. And then please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Uh, I'm going to be dropping some merch, some merchandise very soon, working on the, uh, the store and some designs and things that I got going on there. So, uh, again, I'll put that on the Twitter page, the Twitter account and everything, and it'll be all there once it's ready. And then I'll let everybody know on here when it's ready to go. But, again, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.